You're listening to the Voicing Your Brand podcast, episode number 14. I'm really glad you're here with me today. I have a special guest, and we're going to talk about telling your story, storytelling for your brand. Let's get to it. Welcome to Voicing Your Brand. I'm your host, Tammy Romani, and as a voiceover talent for more than 30 years, I've been a voice for many brands. But in today's digital marketing world, you've got to have your own voice for business. So now my mission is to help you learn how to use your voice for success by unlocking your authentic voice to tell your story and be heard. Are you ready? Welcome to the studio. You're here. I'm so excited that you're here because this is a really extra special episode. If you're like me, you have said these things to yourself when you have turned on your camera to do your Instagram or or any kind of storytelling on social media. You've said, ooh, do I really want to say this? No one cares what I ate for lunch today. Why am I putting this out there? It's just a cup of coffee. Do they really want to see this sunset or know that I'm driving to the beach today or know that I'm on a ski trip right now? You know what the answer to that is? Yes, they do want to know. They want to see the real you. That is how, as a business, you can build the know, like, and trust factor. It's so important. It's so important. So today, we're going to learn how to tell our story, or stories rather, on social media. And in particular, learn about Instagram and how great it is for connecting personally with your audience. So I did an interview earlier today. I'm going to play it for you now. And I'd really love to hear from you about how this impacted you and what your biggest takeaway was. Because I'll tell you, the first thing people come to me for is to become confident in their voice and comfortable speaking. The second thing they ask me is, how do I find out what my story is or what to tell, what to talk about? And today, we're going to learn all about that. So here's my interview with Brock Johnson. My guest today is Brock Johnson, and I am really excited that he agreed to be on Voicing Your Brand with me today because Brock is a 21-year-old college student with a passion for helping others create connections and grow their brands using short-form video. He's co-host of the Build Your Tribe podcast. He's an instructor of multiple online courses and an online entrepreneur, and Brock has helped thousands of entrepreneurs learn to use quick video clips to connect and build their business. His mission is to help you grow your brand and effectively market using stories. Now, Mm -hmm. my mission, Brock, is to help people be comfortable in their own voice. Love that. I will tell you that once they've had some voice coaching with me, their very next question is, I don't have a story to tell. How do I uncover my story? So maybe we should get started by you just sharing some of your story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my story, 
I guess it really has to begin with my parents. Uh, I was raised in an entrepreneur family. My parents have both owned multiple businesses uh, my entire life. So I was definitely raised, uh, you know, uh, kind of brainwashed, I like to say, uh, with a lot, of, a lot of their teachings as I was growing up. So I started my first business really in like second grade, uh, if you can count it as a business. I was drawing pictures of my classmates and, and then selling it back to them for 10 cents. So not exactly the highest profit margins, uh, but it was a start. From there, eventually, um, I got into, I had a shoelace company business when I was really young. I sold power balance wristbands, if you remember those. I was a distributor for those like workout bands. Uh, eventually, I used that money to buy my first car and sell that. Um, and I'd been saving up for that my whole life. So I'd done a ton of different things, always been interested in business and, and working for myself. And actually, ever since uh, a real young age, I had a goal of never having a boss, never working for someone else, always owning my own business. Um, and so far, so good. Um, and up in, about three years ago, uh, when I left for college, I felt this burden, this kind of like guilt that my parents had provided me with so much growing up. Um, and I wanted to be financially independent. Now that I was in college and I was away from them, I didn't want to still have to re rely on them for groceries and for rent and for you know, going to the movies with my friends. Uh, so I wanted to create some kind of financial independence. And that led me to three years ago, start my first real, what you would call probably a real business. Um, and that was called Unwrap Snap at the time. And Unwrap Snap was a quick $20 online course that was teaching parents how to keep their children safe on Snapchat. And eventually from audience feedback and from shifts in my market, um, I eventually grew that into Unwrap Stories. And, and now I teach a lot about really Instagram stories and story marketing in general. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you have quite a progression there. You say that early on you didn't want to be, didn't want to ever have a boss. Is that, mm -hmm. now your parents are both entrepreneurs, so you saw yep. them not having a boss. Yep. What was the juxtaposition there? Who did you see having a boss that you saw their lifestyle was not appealing to you? You don't have such to name names. Oh, yeah. Such a great question. Such a great question. But honestly, it was a lot of my, my friends' parents growing up, where a lot of the time I would go over to their house for a sleepover or whatever, and one of the parents would always be gone, or, or one of the parents was never home. And I would spend hours, days at my friends' houses and rarely, if ever, see maybe their dad or their mom because they had to work certain hours. That was their shift. They had to provide for their family. So I saw that juxtaposed with my parents who one parent would always drive us to school. The other would pick us up from school every single day. We would uh, have weekends where they would, have, they would have no business on weekends. They would be at every single one of our games, every one of our practices. They made it a priority to support us, uh, whether it was me playing football or basketball or baseball or any sport that I played or any of the million sports that my sister played. They made it a priority to be there. They made family the ultimate priority. They didn't just speak it and talk the talk. They actually walked the walk. Um, and I saw the flexibility that owning their own business gave them, the flexibility to go on vacations when we wanted, to be there in emergency situations. They weren't always tied uh, to having to work certain hours or be in the office. Uh, so I thought that was really cool and something that even at a young age, I, I thought about, I want this for my family one day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really a wake-up call, I think, for parents out there. I, I don't want to make anyone feel badly about how they're doing life, but it is important to kids that you yeah. show up and that you are it there. Really so whatever you can do, 
whatever job you have, that's great. But we mostly talk are talking to entrepreneurs today, mm -hmm. thankfully. And like I said, um, people come to me for confidence in their voice. Their next question is, how do I know what to say? And mm -hmm. I love that you are saying short stories because mm -hmm. people are so intimidated by, they're told, oh, you've got to be on YouTube. And then they look on YouTube and they say, ah, oh, I know I do this, but that looks like production work. And I don't want to learn how to do that or have mm -hmm. time for that. But you're talking about connecting with people on a personal level through telling your story. Mm -hmm. What? Let me just ask you, is there a way or a process someone can go through to uncover their stories? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you ended that question in the plural form of stories because okay. that is, is probably my biggest point. Um, about two years ago, I really got invested and excited by storytelling. I started um, learning from a lot of storytellers, watching stand-up comedians, uh, studying some of the greatest storytellers, watching TED Talks and reading articles, doing all the research I could into the science behind storytelling and then the actual practice of it itself. And there was one common theme that I kept hearing, which is you have a story, you have a story, your life has a story. And there is an overarching story that we all have and we can tie it up together and put a nice bow on it and make it look nice, but that can be a challenge. That takes a lot of coaching, a lot of time, a lot of self-reflection. And what I like to preach is that you have millions of stories. You have hundreds of stories that you're experiencing on a daily basis, and those are just as valuable and just as exciting as your big one lifetime story. So one practical tip that I like to share to uh, help people begin to, to tell their stories and to recognize that there are thousands of stories taking place on a daily basis is to simply keep track of them. Whenever your emotions are spiked really high, if something is very funny, if there's something that was shocking to you, maybe you hit a, a low point and you were really struggling with something, I write those down in my notes. So I actually have a oh, running wow. notes app in my phone with hundreds of stories written down. And they're just quick, you know, a quick little sentence, a couple words to just rejog my memory of what the story is. And that does a few things for me. Number one, if I'm ever speaking on a stage or in a podcast or even if I'm just looking for a story to tell on my Instagram stories or on a YouTube video, I have a list. I have a bank, a Rolodex of stories that I can go back to and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, oh, yeah, I, I want to tell an exciting story. Here's one. Or here's a story with a cliffhanger. Or here's a time where I really hit rock bottom and had to dig myself out. So I have that running list of stories. And through the practice of writing down these stories that uh, happen to me on a daily basis, I become more aware of the stories that are happening to, happening to me on a daily basis. So just this weekend, you know, we were both at the Marketing Impact Academy yes. and there's so many, so many amazing students there who are coming up and sharing their stories with me. And if I'm especially touched by one, I'll write it down. So just from this weekend, I probably okay. have 10 stories from other people plus a bunch of stories uh, that I experienced this weekend. And so if you continue to write those down and replay them in your head and have them in your notes, it becomes much easier to recall them in a moment's notice when you're asked, hey, uh, have you ever experienced like, you know, really being hung out to dry by a friend? And boom, you can think of a story because you've practiced writing it down and recalling it. I'm, this is brilliant, first of <laughs> all, and something that I have not done. I've, I've 
jotted notes down, but often I'll look back and go, what was the rest of that? So I probably need more sentences than the average person. <laughs> but do you categorize them by positive, negative topics? Or I'm just wondering, you know, you've got this giant note. Do you just scroll through when you need something? Or do you, do you kind of organize them in some way? Yeah, so this is a great question. And actually, I'm getting to the point where I'm probably going to have to start breaking it up into actual categories. Okay. As of right now, I'll have it's all just one big bullet pointed list. And I will add maybe emojis next to certain stories just so I, as I'm scrolling, you know, I can see the picture much faster than I can read the words. Or I'll put, maybe I'll put it in bold if I know it's an especially powerful story or, or one that I might like to, you know, tell as a uh, on stage story, something that's a little bit more of a keynote type story. Um, but I don't actually have them broken into categories yet, other than I do have them broken into personal stories, stories that I've heard on TV or Netflix, and then stories okay. that have been told to me. And then I also have a, a, a running list of, of jokes that I've heard that I think are really funny, storytelling jokes. So I have yeah. a list of that one too. I love that. Oh my goodness. This sparked so <laughs> many ideas for me because... Like I said, so many people say, first of all, how do I uncover stories? And you're just saying they're happening every day. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to look and say, what is my story? Yes. Because that's overwhelming. Absolutely. That is so overwhelming. So when you are writing down these stories, and I, a big worry of, uh, of ours mm -hmm. as online marketers is how do I connect with people? How do I know what will resonate with people? How do you know which of those stories will connect? Or do you just throw them all out there, start telling these stories, and see what people respond to? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that is a great place to start from, mm -hmm. especially if you're overwhelmed of, I don't even know what stories to share. Uh, one tip that I like to give is documentation over creation. So I'll say that again, okay. documentation over creation. So rather Explain than trying that to- for us. Yeah, absolutely. So rather than trying to create or curate uh, this perfect story or this well-written uh, building in, in drama leading to a climax and a resolution and a plot line and characters and an antagonist and a protagonist, rather than trying to create, I think that documentation can oftentimes be much more powerful. And the beauty of modern day social media is almost every social media application has a stories platform and it's perfectly named Instagram stories, Facebook stories, their stories platforms, because they're meant to be daily documentation of the stories that you're experiencing in that day. So definitely when you're starting, uh, I think that documentation over creation and just focusing on sharing your daily life uh, could be, could be a, a big first step into that. Yeah. Okay. Then here's what most people say to that is sharing my what? My daily life? How boring. Why would someone yeah. want to watch me walk the dog? Or why would someone want to, you know, see what I'm having for lunch? Absolutely. Why is that interesting to people? Mm -hmm. And this will answer this question and also your question before, uh, which is that People care about emotions. So how do you decide what, what story to tell or how do you make your story more impactful, more powerful? You share emotion. Oftentimes, there's this big misconception that when we're telling stories, we should make it as broad as possible. Because when we make it as broad as possible, then it can apply to all 7 billion people on the planet. But actually, it's this crazy scientific process that the more specific and the more personal and the more emotional you make your stories, the more they will connect with your audience. And by emotional, I don't mean teenage girl uh, crying all the time emotional. I just mean 
feeling and describing the emotions that you felt in that story. So the more personal we can make our stories, the better they will connect. And without getting too scientific, uh, that's basically because your listeners have mirror neurons firing in their brain when you're telling a story. So rather than picturing you in the story, they will picture themselves. Your audience will picture themselves going through that story. So along those lines, you need to have as much detail, as much uh, imagery, as much setting and scene and description as possible because that allows your audience to picture themselves in the story so much more and it will allow them to connect with the story and eventually with you on a much deeper level. Okay, from your own experience then, can you give us an example of what was a good story that you told that you just got so many comments or so many DMs, people wanting more, people wanting to connect with you, or people just saying, me too. Mm -hmm. I so relate to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, the first story that comes to mind is actually about eight months ago now, before the football season, and I was really struggling with what am I going to do next? I have this business. It's very successful right now. It's growing. I'm serving a ton of people, and it's so fulfilling for my soul. But I know that what's more important for me right now in my life than business is football. Football is, I'm a college football player, and that's what's more important to me. And I know that it's a very limited time in my life where I can play football and focus on it. I have two more years guaranteed, and then after that, my, my career is, is up in the air. But I can, I can grow a business when I'm 80. I can grow a business when I'm 90. I can't uh, play college football when I'm 90. So I was coming up on football season, and what do I do? Do I outsource a lot of my business? Do I stay on social media and just try to make it work and juggle all the balls at once? Because I also have obviously school and relationships and a social life and, and a family life and faith is very, very important to me. So how do I juggle all these balls at once? And I came to the realization that I need to leave social media. And as wow. someone who is a social media stories coach, as someone who's a podcaster, a YouTuber and Snapchat and Instagram, all those things, I'm, I was so ever present um, on so many social channels, how do I leave all of these just behind? How do I, how do I detach from them? Uh, so it was something that I really struggled with for a while of how am I going to do this? And I ultimately decided that what's most important for me is to feed my soul rather than my bank account. Hmm. Completely uh, leave social media, sign off of all of my accounts, delete them off my phone, put my business on pause and be fully intentional and purposeful and present in the moment of the football season. Enjoy going to school every day. Enjoy and soak up the smells of the grass and, and the, the fresh fall air and, and the falling leaves and, and everything that goes along with football season. Uh, and so ultimately, my business, yes, it took a hit. Yes, I lost some followers. Yes, I could have made more money if I had outsourced everything and just tried to automatize uh, all of my systems. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what was much more important was, like I said, I found joy in football. I found joy in my life and I was present and I was very intentional uh, during that season. And so to go back to your question, not a lot of people have ever had to make a decision between their business and college football. Most right. listeners aren't just statistically speaking, most people in my audience or listening right now aren't division one college football players, but everyone can relate to that feeling of not knowing what they're going to do next. Everyone can relate to the feeling of wanting to be more intentional and more present. Everyone can relate to the feeling 
of feeling like you're juggling too many balls at once and there's just too much going on and feeling like you need to reevaluate uh, your intentions and, and your priorities in life. Mm-hmm. So the more specific I could make that story, the more someone could picture me in that struggle and, and go along with me through the journey of, oh, what do I do next to making the decision and then finding joy and being happy with the decision I've made. Yes. And I think it's so important to recognize that we do have seasons in life. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you now have, a, you know, there are other businesses out there that operate in seasons. So if mm-hmm. for the next three years, this is what you do, you know how to plan for that. Right. Absolutely. Like right now is maybe your money-making season. And then if you choose to do it again, Mm-hmm. You'll do it again. So mm-hmm. you must have gotten both positive and negative responses to mm-hmm. that absolutely. story. Did yeah. people tell you you were crazy? Or did oh, people absolutely. say, I admire you so much for making this choice? Is I absolutely got both sides. I absolutely yeah. got both sides. Luckily, the, the negative side wasn't too many like personal attacks. I wouldn't even call it hate. Um, it was just people like, oh, I'm so bummed or, oh, I'm going to miss you or, oh, you know, uh, couldn't you, couldn't you automatize? Couldn't you like systematize everything so we can still see your face? Uh, so it was kind of like uh, things that I guess people unapproving of me leaving, but still being like, oh, we're going to miss you. So more of a positive reaction, but I definitely got both sides. Some people were really happy and some people were like, oh, no, don't leave. But I think the important part, like you said, even if you had automated it, um, it wouldn't have been you. Yes. Right? It wouldn't have been you telling your daily stories, which is what you're known for. And that was big for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there would be a disconnect mm-hmm. because you are such a master at, at just talking to that one person on Thank the you. other side of, of their phone. Mm-hmm. And you do make people feel. So um, what is your best tip there? In oh, my best tip there. You kind of you talk to yeah, you kind of just hinted on it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best tips for being more authentic is because everyone has, you know, they want to be more authentic online and everyone's trying to come up with tips for authenticity and go backpack through Europe for the next month and try to find yourself. Uh, but a really tangible way, a really like practical way that you can be more authentic and uh, connect with more people on a personal level online is simply shifting from using pronouns like yours and, and you or uh, like you guys and y'all and everybody and hey everyone listening today or uh, hey what's up IG family uh, things like that remind our audience that they aren't the only one consuming our content even yes. though even though we understand as you're listening to this podcast right now even though you understand on a conscious level like okay there are other people consuming the show there's other people listening as well your brain instinctually doesn't know that our brains haven't been hardwired to listen to podcasts and watch Instagram stories. So your brain, as you're listening right now, is thinking, I am alone. I am part of this conversation. I'm listening and I'm a fly on the wall. The same is true on social media. When people are watching, or even when we are watching Instagram stories, we feel like we're the only one. We feel like we're that person's best friend and they are personally taking us along for the ride. So in order to keep your audience in that position of feeling like they're your best friend and they're the only one consuming the content, we can use pronouns like you and yours. So we're Mm -hmm. referring to just one person, the singular one person in your audience. It keeps them in that place of of just being your best friend and like it's a very personal uh, journey and feeling for that audience member. 
Yes, I actually talked about this in last week's episode of this podcast oh, because gosh. I had been noticing even from very big influencers that I follow, they say things like, hey, Instagram, or mm -hmm. you guys, and mm -hmm. I personally have an immediate disconnect yes, from there. Yes, There's just gone. something in my yeah. brain that just says, oh, they're not talking to me. Yes, yes. Right? But if mm -hmm. you say, if you look right in that camera lens mm -hmm. and say you, yes, then you're talking to me oh, personally. Yeah. And, and that is, that's what makes people connect with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the best tips we can give people. I agree. As storytellers, <laughs> I noticed that you have left Snapchat mm -hmm. for Instagram. And yes. I noticed even for myself that I had a lot less engagement on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. I largely joined it because of your recommendation of what was going on over there. I did the whole mm -hmm. ghost codes thing and everything <laughs> that you recommended in your course and really had some good engagement. I think I even um, had a couple of people buy some of my products through that. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Like suddenly, it, yeah. what happened to Snapchat and why did you leave? Uh, it's it's tough as someone who is such a such a proponent of Snapchat and advocate for it. Um, it was tough, but really, what it ultimately was is Snapchat views themselves not as a social media company, but as a camera company. And I think because of this, uh, they didn't grow as a social media should have. They didn't listen to their audience, which is such a huge tip. Whether you are a solo entrepreneur with three hundred followers or a multi-billion-dollar organization like Snapchat. You have to listen to your audience. And so they were never giving us what we wanted. We wanted to be able to search for our friends easier. And they never gave us that. We wanted better analytics. They rarely gave anyone that unless you already had a large following. So it began, and then they started shifting how everything looked, which was already a big tricky uh, situation to learn on Snapchat. So, so it was just ultimately they weren't responding to their audience. And Instagram was. Every okay. time we asked for something, Instagram was responding and giving it to us and actually giving us more than we asked for. So when Instagram stories first launched, uh, it was very slow growth at first, but it began to take off. People began to use it more. And as that happened, people were leaving Snapchat. And ultimately, uh, mm. the two reasons I left Snapchat is I learned through this process of leaving social media during the football season uh, a lot about intentionality and about spreading myself too thin. And for me, I just wasn't seeing a high return on investment on Snapchat. Like you said, engagement was dropping. People were leaving Snapchat. And even though I had a very uh, attentive and plugged in and, and loving community on Snapchat, I just felt like I could serve people more and create more evergreen content on Instagram and on YouTube. So I also had a plan of creating a YouTube channel, uh, which I launched a couple of weeks ago. So I decided that what was best for me was leaving Snapchat. It was tough, absolutely tough. Uh, but my audience overall was was very understanding. A lot of them moved over with me from Snapchat uh, to Instagram and to YouTube. So I was really, really appreciative of that. Uh, but ultimately, it was just I wasn't seeing a high enough return on investment. And I didn't want to, uh, I wanted to be really intentional with where I spent my time on social media and building my business. Yeah, and that's just smart. And I, I think that when you are the voice of your brand, this, this really illustrates how fluid social media is oh, and how you have to constantly evaluate where you're spending your time and what kind of return on investment you're getting for that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So you made that choice and how has that worked out for you? So far, so good. I'm, uh, 
I'm spending less time on my phone right now than I was uh, in, in previous days. And I feel definitely a lot more, um, a lot more intentional, a lot more present, I guess, is really the best word to say. Um, it was tough using both Instagram stories and Snapchat stories, having different things on each story, yet having relatable things on each story uh, on a daily basis. It was a lot to keep up with. Um, plus the personal connections on Snapchat, I was having much more, uh, building much more relationships, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, but it was tough to maintain the Instagram DMs and the Snapchat conversations. And I'm really happy with YouTube. My YouTube okay. channel is growing uh, right now. It's, it's feel like I'm able to put more thought into the actual <clears throat> storytelling, excuse me, that I'm doing on YouTube. I'm able to put more thought into the creative side of the content production. Uh, so I'm happy so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got caught up on your YouTube channel this morning. So I, yeah, I really, I am enjoying them and you are actually putting them things out in bite-sized pieces where we can learn from mm -hmm. you in eight to 10 minutes, which I think is really brilliant. I'm still intimidated by the production <laughs> factor that seems to be on <laughs> Yeah. Is there a place on YouTube? I know they have live video now. So is there a place on YouTube for, repurposing some of your stories per, perhaps from Instagram or saving a live video that might, it's not polished, doesn't mm -hmm. have an opener or a closer or any tags or anything. Is there a place for that on YouTube or should we stick to, if it's someone like me who doesn't have production, maybe mm -hmm. we're not quite ready to look for a VA to pull everything together for us. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense to be on YouTube for everyone? Or how do you evaluate that? Maybe the better question would be, let's say you should choose two mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. you're not spreading yourself so thin. How do you choose which platforms to spend time on? Yeah, so I think uh, definitely I well, let's answer this question in part. So first, I think it depends a lot on who your audience is and who you're trying to attract. So if you're trying to attract uh, a younger audience or an audience that's very tech savvy, Maybe Snapchat can be a great place for you. Maybe if you're trying to attract a younger than 20 audience, apps like TikTok and Musical.ly might be even better for you. So I think first looking at who your ideal audience is, who your ideal customer is, um, and then finding the, the social media platform that they are most drawn to. And then also along with that, finding the platform that you are most comfortable on. Some of us are gifted podcasters like Tammy you have an amazing speaking ability and, and you're so great on podcast and so podcast is a great channel and platform for you some people love photography I can think of Jasmine Starr who's an Instagram expert but yes. got her start as a photographer she loves photography so that makes sense that she is on YouTube some people love video they love being on video I can think of Sean Cannell who mm -hmm. uh, is a good dear friend of mine who uh, produced 100 videos per year for his church all the way back in the early 2000s. So when video and online video was just becoming a thing before YouTube was even around, before it even existed, he was producing 100 videos a year. So he is very skilled on video, very talented on video. So YouTube makes the most sense for him. So I think it has a lot to do with uh, uh, the, the content style that you're most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And that's specifically about repurposing content I think it has a lot to do with how you dress your content. So if you're going to a formal ball, you're expected, you know, as a man to wear a tuxedo or a suit, a woman wears a dress. If you're going to the beach though, 
you wear your bathing suit, you wear, you know, a floppy hat and, and your flip flops. You have to dress appropriately for where your content is going to be. So, okay. and I specifically, I should say, great analogy. Dress, <laughs> thank you. You need to dress uh, your content appropriately for where it needs to be. So on Instagram stories, it's vertical form video in 15 second segments. On podcasts, there's no video. It's long form audio content. So it all depends on how you're going to dress your content. So uh, if I can give the specific example of taking an Instagram story or an Instagram live for that matter and transitioning it to a YouTube video, I would dress it as such. So because YouTube videos are horizontal videos, maybe you start with an intro. You just, you don't need a ton of production value, but just, uh, you know, maybe even your phone camera turns sideways now and you say, Hey, I shared this awesome content on my Instagram channel the other day. It's 10 simple tips to, I don't know, uh, uh, creating a more habitual morning routine. Here are the clips from my Instagram stories. And it's just, you know, a 10 to 15 second intro that tells your audience, okay, I'm about to be watching Instagram stories but at least you introduced it as a YouTube video should be dressed. And then it could get into the tips. And then maybe at the end, it comes back uh, to you with the horizontal video saying, thanks for watching. You know, if you want more tips on my Instagram, here's my Instagram, you know, and then maybe wrapping up the video just on YouTube. But that way you're not having to reproduce the content uh, completely from scratch, but all you have to do is, you know, make maybe a 15 second intro and a 15 second close and then just fill in the pre-made content from the other social media channel uh, in between. And then just experiment, right? And see how Absolutely. it goes and see yeah. what kind of response you get. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. That is a great tip. Okay. <laughs> so you are a college athlete and a college student and mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and you have a social life. <laughs> you are probably a genius at time management. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, man, I, I wish. <laughs> well, let, let's just go there for a minute, though, because mm. I would love to know what would you say is the minimum amount of time that can mm. be spent on, let, let's say there's a busy mom who also works part-time and is shuttling her kids, you know, mm. all over, but she wants to build an online presence or... Mm -hmm. You know, just someone who has a busy life, they have other responsibilities, but they see this as such a possibility for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first of all, evaluate what's the easiest for you to get started. Yes. Instagram mm -hmm. is a great place. And since we're talking about storytelling today, I think that's a, a really good place to experiment with. Um, what's the bare minimum of what they should do to begin creating some mm -hmm. kind of relationships? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it starts with your priorities and prioritizations. So one thing that I ask myself often is, is my time, is my schedule aligning with my priorities? And if it's not, something needs to change. Either my priorities need to change or more likely my schedule needs to change. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that's absolutely huge and something that I've realized since leaving social media and now coming back is just how much time, how many small fragments of moments we waste throughout our day, scrolling through timelines, comparing ourselves to others, watching random YouTube videos, or just surfing the web and, and scrolling endlessly for hours. Um, you know, actually, this quick tangent, I heard, I heard an interview with the person who invented the endless scroll. So if you go on Twitter or Instagram, you can scroll for hours. And although he's proud of, of the accomplishment, and although he has definitely benefited monetarily, um, from creating the endless scroll, he feels really bad because he feels like he is a 
huge reason why his, his creation, his invention is a huge reason why we spend so much time on social media because we can literally scroll forever and there will always be something new. So I think that there are so many moments in our day, uh, whether it's, you know, not, not the prettiest moment, but uh, going to the bathroom or waiting for the kids to get out of school for that 10, 15 minutes when you're just sitting there and you, you got there early or uh, waking up earlier or when we're laying in bed at night rather than just scrolling through social media. There are so many productive moments that we're missing. Um, and then to give an actual number uh, for how many hours per day, I think that if you spend an hour a day on your business and an actual focused hour, a planned hour, you can build a side hustle. You can build a, another stream of income. It doesn't take... Um, you know, a full-time job. As you said, I am very, very busy with my time. And a lot of it, a lot of my schedule is out of my control with classes yeah. and with, uh, with football schedule. I'm oftentimes not free until the afternoon every day. Um, so it's all about what you are doing with that hour. How productive can you be um, in that hour? And, and it really falls back to your priorities. And then uh, to specifically speak about uh, using that hour to build real relationships or even using those uh, 10 minutes here, five minutes here, 15 minutes here to build relationships is like I talked about earlier, documentation over creation. So specifically using Instagram stories to document our day rather than burying yourself in the hole of creation and comparison and trying to make beautiful content. If we document that we're stressed out about something that's going on, or maybe our kid's sick and, and he threw one of my mom's most viral videos was her telling a story about how I got food poisoning and threw up everywhere and she had to clean it up at two in the morning. It went viral and it was just such a mom moment and all the moms could relate to it. Um, so again, documentation over creation and on Instagram stories, it's so simple. You can just whip out the Instagram stories camera, take a quick picture, take a quick 10, 15 second video, tell your audience what's going on, share with them what you're doing in your daily basis, your highs and your lows, a funny moment, a sad moment. And again, the more personal you make that, the more your audience will begin to respond and connect and build a relationship with you without you having to have a degree in uh, graphic design and know how to Photoshop your pictures and how to splice up an audible content uh, or, or edit a video masterfully. You know, it's much simpler, much easier, and people respond to that. Yeah, I'm even finding that I prefer watching people's stories rather than scrolling through the feed anymore because the feed doesn't feel real. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same way. And so many members of my audience, so many people I talk to feel the exact same way. They're watching the stories because it feels so much re more real. You know, it's 2019 now. We have, a, we have a high no BS meter. If someone is lying to us or trying to appear perfect or like they got all their stuff together, we can see right through it because we know that nobody has everything together. Nobody is as perfect as we like to pretend we are on our Instagram feeds. Exactly. So let's talk about making that connection. Um, when people... You know, I've gotten some weird DMs on Instagram and some strange invitations. Um, scrolling through those and looking at the legitimate ones, and I've noticed that you have to choose. If it's, you know, if it's someone that you don't follow, it, it kind of falls in a different category. So you're just kind of yeah. scrolling through there and deciding who to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, I mean, how much time do you spend on that? That could be a wormhole too. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, it can. Yeah, absolutely. And you want people to feel like you're there, like you mm -hmm. see them. I had one guy say, OMG, you responded to me. You know, <laughs> oh, yes, you asked me a question. Okay. Then, of yeah. course, his next thing was, what's your personal information so I can email you, you know, yeah. a business opportunity? And I was like, okay. yeah, well, we're <laughs> not going to go there today, but how can I help you? Here's my website, mm -hmm. you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So that took me a minute, though, because it kind of, took me back like oh yeah. i don't have anything prepared for this is that something you can keep in your notes as well mm -hmm. so yeah you can absolutely have candid responses in your notes and actually what's really cool is the instagram direct messages now offer automatic responses and not oh, to the point where it'll automatically send a thing uh, but you can actually type out so i have a few typed out specifically for when people ask about one of my online courses mm -hmm. i can type in hwh an acronym okay. for help with hashtags and it'll mm -hmm. pull up a short paragraph that is my own words that is written sure. and it doesn't sound salesy uh, but it is describing what help with hashtags is and maybe where they can find it and then to avoid the endless loophole of just answering questions all day and uh, building these relationships I will say that personally it's my favorite part of social media and where I focus most of my time is on building those relationships and in the direct messages that's Probably besides consuming stories, that's where I spend most of my time on Instagram. And the tip I like to give here is match their level of engagement. So mm. if someone sends you uh, an emoji, you can reply with an emoji. If someone sends you a one-sentence question, you respond with a one- or two-sentence answer. If someone tells you their life story and they give you all this information and they ask multiple questions, then you can respond with maybe a few more sentences, maybe a short paragraph answering their questions, sharing a link or sharing whatever information you can. And then if it's a spammer or someone saying, hey, uh, if you'd like to check out my business and how you can make more money with Bitcoins online, click on my link. And okay, then I'm not going to respond to this person. But okay. if they're taking the, time out of their, uh, taking the time out of their day to engage with you, you owe it to them, I believe at least, uh, to engage back in some way and start that real tangible conversation, which can lead to a real relationship. Yes. And I think that's a thing that people don't understand is that you can have a real relationship from the back and forth. And mm -hmm. oh, I've, I've heard amazing stories. I know someone who is being mentored by a billionaire right now that he <sighs> met on Instagram <laughs> in the financial that's industry. So and awesome. And he's now met with him in person. And this guy sees something in this young man. Mm -hmm. and is mentoring him awesome. and it all was from reaching mm -hmm. out to him on instagram and asking mm -hmm. a question awesome. I, can you I even that. imagine the possibilities of where oh, you yeah. go oh yeah and i think social media gets such a bad rap uh, for the haters and the negative comments and there absolutely is that but i think a lot of it is perspective and what you choose to look at because ultimately Social media was created as a way for us to be social online, for us to build relationships with each other online. And when we remember its roots and we remember that we're here to serve and build those relationships, you can build real relationships. I mean, we've built a relationship online before we even met uh, just this yes, weekend. I was told a story uh, at the Marketing Impact Academy about how five students of mine from across the US had met in one of my courses. They'd become best friends through Snapchat, uh, Snapchat group chat, watching each other's stories on Snapchat. Then they went to a cabin together on a cabin, like an all girls weekend cabin trip in New York. And now they're going to Vegas and they're writing a screenplay 
about their friendship and how they came together. So, you know, a small Snapchat course is ending up becoming a movie. And so when we focus on serving others and actually caring about our followers, I always get asked, how do I grow my following? How do I get new people to look at my page? Why don't we serve and build relationships with the crew we already got? Why don't we ask ourselves, rather than what can my following do for me, what can I do for my following? How can I build a relationship with them and serve them in a more real way? I think when we do that, we will find more joy ourselves and our business uh, will grow so much more because of it. Oh, yeah. I. Man, amen to that. It is so important to remember that each person, I mean, there's real humans on the other side of your phone or of their phone actually watching your content, Mm -hmm. and we're here to serve. So let's kind of wrap this up by making people feel better about their following. I watched one of your YouTube videos this morning, and you talked about someone who approached you who had 800,000 followers and wanted more. Yeah. But they weren't. (laughs) engaged followers so share your advice and you know i have what 1500 i feel like that's hardly any because most of them might be personal friends at this point because they started out with a personal account made it a business account um but you can do a lot Mm -hmm. with a thousand engaged followers Mm -hmm. am i right yeah explain to me how you talk to that person who reached out to you who had the 800,000 but wants a million and thinks that that's going to benefit them. Yeah. And make us all feel better about (laughs) only having a (laughs) thousand. Absolutely. So um, there's actually uh, this principle that uh, was written about and kind of went viral about a year ago. And it's the idea of a thousand true fans. And basically Mm. what the, what the uh, hypothesis, what the idea says is that, with just a thousand true fans, you can make a million dollars a year. But that's with a true fan. It has to be a right. true fan. So how do we build true fans? There's two schools of thought. One is much more popular and one is much easier. The first school of thought is I'm going to grow in quantity. I'm going to get from 800,000 to a million. And then of that million, a thousand of them, 1% of them, uh, less than 1.1% of them will be true fans. And then I can make a million dollars this year. And the other school of thought, which is, I believe, much easier, is to build quality fans. Mm. So to invest and pour in. We've all been, we all have an expertise. We all have so many things that we're learning and so many people who are pouring into us. And so when we pour into our followers, and like I've been talking about, when we serve them and we build real relationships with them, they can become true fans. So you don't need uh, the verified blue check on Instagram. You don't need... um, 300 million uh, YouTube subscribers to have a successful business with just a thousand true fans, you can be very successful online. And uh, to share the end of that story. Uh, so th- this person reached out to me on social media. How can I grow my following? I've, I've heard you're, you're great at that and you've helped some people, which I have absolutely helped some people who have 600,000 break a plateau and get to 800,000. It's tough, but, uh, but it's, it's doable. So she reached out to me and, I sent her a long email. I spent the weekend really diving into her analytics and looking at how everything works in in her account specifically. And I sent her an email that was basically saying uh, this. It was basically saying, you need more quality followers rather than a larger quantity of followers. I gave her a bunch of tips and being more real and actually engaging with her audience and using her stories and her feed to to serve her audience rather than just look how perfect I am. 
and I never got a response. Haven't heard from her since. No direct messages, no email response. Um, and I don't take it personally uh, because yeah. I know it's a tough thing to say. And I know even as I was pressing the send button, I was saying, oof, this is tough because this is tough love right now. And this is not what she wants to hear. She wants to hear, post this many times, do this many things, use these, these words, and you'll hit a million. And sure, I could have given her those tips. But I was trying to give some, some tough love for someone who um, I thought needed it. And uh, yeah, but so it can be words of encouragement if you're just starting out on Instagram or, or YouTube or anywhere focus on quality rather than quantity because you can be very successful online without a huge famous following. Yeah. And that is so different from even three years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've been going to marketing impact Academy for about, I don't know if this was my year four or five, but every year it's different based on the current trends. And I think three years ago, it was about numbers. And so we've been so conditioned that mm -hmm. we need more, 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 more. Then with the advent of storytelling and the ability mm -hmm. to just craft this message mm -hmm. that is more personal and relatable, there's been a big shift into Absolutely. it's not about numbers anymore. And maybe they'll even get rid of that blue check eventually. <laughs> it's about engagement and really serving people and making a connection. And that's what you're mm -hmm. so good at. So oh, thank, thank you so much, yeah. Tammy. No, I think you're I do. With that, with that analysis, though, it absolutely for a while was was all about numbers, and mm -hmm. and now people care so much more about how can you serve them, how can you help them, rather than how many followers do you have. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. And I will say, as a tag to that, um, it's not necessary for each of us to always be up on the latest trends because they mm -hmm. do change. What we need to do is follow people like you. Who are up on that? You make it your job. <laughs> it is my job. Trends. And I'm just going to say, I'll watch what you say. And if you tell me now it's time to switch, you know, away from stories and do whatever the next thing <laughs> that the next, you know, platform, yeah. because I know you're experimenting and I know you're testing the waters for us. And that's why it's so amazing to have so many great uh, experts out there that we can I pull agree. from. And th yeah, yeah, thank you. And, and I absolutely agree. And I have experts who I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. uh, I have YouTube experts. I have podcasting experts. I listen to experts. And then if there's an expert who's talking about something that's in my field, I'll do the research myself. But absolutely. Um, yeah. I yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that's the beauty of this online world that we exist mm -hmm. in now. And it's mm -hmm. only, only going to get better from here. I'm, I'm sad to see people afraid of it still. Uh, oh, yeah. But we'll, we're trying to crack through that and <laughs> encourage people to uh, not tell your story but tell your stories mm -hmm. and be the voice of your own brand. Uh, I, have, I have several voiceover friends who actually have a disconnect there because they look at me like, what are you doing betraying us? We're supposed to tell people <laughs> they need to hire a professional voice. And I'm like, not anymore. You know, that's why I'm kind of moving into this space. People are coming to me saying, my book agent told me I have to go live on video and I, I hate my voice. What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think the combination of telling them most, mostly I tell them their voice is just fine. Like you tell them <laughs> your story is fine. Yes. People want your story. They need that boost of confidence that you can connect with people. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. man, use your voice and tell your stories in little 15 second, 30 second, <laughs> maybe a minute increments at the most, and you will see a shift in your mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brock, for being with me today. This this has been so valuable. I'm <sighs> really excited to present this to my listeners. And thank I you so much, Tammy. If there's new developments then I'm going to ask you back because <laughs> uh, I don't want to have to be the expert in all this stuff. That's what you <laughs> Yeah, well, this was a blast. And really, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm always honored uh, to do things like this. And just to be able to share with, with other people, I'm, I'm blessed to, that God has given me an opportunity to help, help so many. So thank yeah, you so much for giving this sure. opportunity. Well, listen, one more thing. I will put it in the show notes, but if you could just tell us where people can find you. Yeah, uh, the best the best way to get in contact with me is just to shoot me a direct message on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is Brock Eleven Johnson. The one one the eleven is right in the middle of Brock Johnson, and then just shoot me a shoot me a DM with you know maybe you were listening to the show or, or your favorite takeaway uh, from this episode, and I, I would love to actually form a real relationship in that direct message inbox. That's awesome. Thank you again, Brock. Have a great week and happy networking. Happy networking. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Okay. I did not mean to steal Brock's tagline at the end of that. Happy networking is what Brock Johnson says at the end of all of his videos. And, you know, happy networking, it's a beautiful thing. It's all about creating a network of your tribe, your followers, your potential customers, and people that you are meant to serve. We all have a calling. We all have something we're supposed to be doing and a group we're supposed to serve. So as you figure that out, I hope you'll reach out to me and send me a message. I want to know how this resonated with you today. Was it helpful? Was it not helpful? What more would you like to learn? I would love to have Brock back sometime to teach even more about social media storytelling and the importance of it. So get started with that and let me know how it goes, will you? In the meantime, thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you next time in the studio. Hey, it's Tammy again. Just a quick reminder that this episode of Voicing Your Brand is brought to you by A Confident Voice. It is the first thing you ask me, so I'm delivering on that. Go to aconfidentvoice.com, use the code PODCAST20 for 20% off. Hope to see you in the group. Let's get you confident and voicing your brand.